We are still in the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter. Amen. Galatians 5. We left off at verse 6. We are picking up at verse 7, moving steadily along in this chapter. Amen. The word of God reads out of the King James Version this morning. Galatians 5 and 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would that they were even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. I'm going to probably not get through all of this today. I'll do my very best. Um, and I want to take my time. Uh, I want to speak to you today from the title, Relying Only on the Grace of God. Relying, write this word down and underline it. Make it big, bold face, whatever you got to do on your phones. Only on the grace of God. Amen? Galatians 5 and 7. Paul says to the believers at Galatia who are struggling with this battle of this teaching that's coming from legalism and people who believe that they need to keep the law in order to be saved or earn salvation. This teaching has come into the church and Paul is away and he's angry. As I said before, a while back when I first started the series, this is his angriest letter. Because what is at stake here is the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. And if you get this wrong, then everything is off. So he is attacking. He is not gracious (laughs) in his speech. He is upset. He said, you did, past tense, run well. Who did hinder you? Hinder means to impede one's course by cutting off his way. And hence, to hinder, impede, thwart, or interrupt. Who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? You were running well. You were doing well. We spoke some weeks ago. You got rid of the weight. (laughs) 
Amen? He said, lay aside every weight. You know, he's talking to the Hebrews. Lay aside the weight and the, and the, the sin that so easily beset you. You know? you know? You were doing well. You, you, you got rid of the weight, the pressures that you put on yourself from this world system thinking that you have to be this or you have to be that. You have to have this. You have to have that. You must achieve this or you must achieve that. You stepped away from all of those things. You stepped away from the sin that so easily entangled you. Uh, that's what we've been learning here. You step away from the weight. You step away from the sin. And some time ago, I said that the weight, some commentators believe here, uh, even in the Hebrews book, talks about legalism. Amen? Amen? You were running well, and now you let someone get in front of you while you're running, setting a good pace. Remember? And they got in front of you, and they are stopping you from running at your optimum level. It's like having someone step out in front of you who's pushing back. As you're trying to move forward, they're pushing you back. They're running and pushing you, and that running slows down your pace. I mean, they, they know you believe in Jesus. They heard you believe in Jesus, and you, you got all dressed up, and you got your running shoes on. You got your running outfit on, but they tell you that you need to step off the track for a minute, get out the race, and go to the side and circumcise yourself, and that way you will be an official runner. What? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything as far as running the race? Have you seen any runners in the marathon get off to the side and say, wait a minute, while I'm in the race, in order for me to be official, I'd stop, I forgot something. What do you need to do? And they just take out some knives and some surgery instruments and lay themselves down and start cutting all over themselves to fix themselves and then they get back on the track and start running, bleeding and all. It makes no sense. You know, you're not an official runner yet. You forgot something. When you signed in, you forgot to cut yourself up. What's underneath all of this legalism? And I will introduce moralism is not being aware of how much God really loves you. This makes all the difference between those who stay on track and those who get off track. Amen? Paul is writing this letter to the Galatian church, hoping that they will return to the simple gospel truth. Amen? And tell these false teaching runners on the side that's in front of them to get out of the way. You're hindering my process. You're hindering my growth. You're making me get off track. Amen? He says, who did hinder you? Huh? Who hindered you? There's a person he's talking about. There's some leader, somebody that comes in with a lot of influence. Be careful. There are people that can even be in your church who want to get in the way of you leaning on Christ alone to where you lean on their words instead of what Jesus actually said. Hmm? 
Huh? Leaning on the Holy Spirit for powerful and holy living. Obeying a bunch of rules and regulations uh, on your own and in your own strength to please God instead of just trusting in the grace provided for you by Jesus Christ. There's something to this. Galatians 3, we already preached it some months ago, but I'll tell you, let me, let me go back to it. Galatians 3, 2 and 3. Paul asked a question. He says, this only would I learn you. You know, King James was saying, I got a question for you. Hmm? Something I want to know. Explain something to me. Receive ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, the Spirit caused your new birth. (laughs) The Spirit quickened you into life. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. It was the Holy Spirit that worked in you through the Word of God that you heard and believed, and the Spirit moved in and caused you to be alive. You were dead and doing your thing, didn't know what was wrong had no indication and you heard the word of truth and he worked in conviction and brought you to a place where you trust in Jesus huh? all of that is the work of the Holy Spirit not you amen he said are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are ye now made perfect mature growing in Christ growing up Walking in Christ, being in Christ, living victoriously in Christ. Are you now going to do that in your own flesh? When you started with the Spirit? Does that make sense? The eye-opening thing here for this passage, is that as I study Galatians, it just more and more I'm starting to see something about myself. Amen? Here's the thing. Here's the, he's, he's talking about no mixture between the law. And, and, and grace and faith. Amen? Amen? So what he said that the, the eye-opening thing about this passage here is realizing that there is no middle ground. You're either wholly relying on Jesus. You're either wholly walking in the Holy Spirit. Huh? You're wholly trusting in God for everything when it, that pertains to the Christian life uh, to run the Christian race, or you're leaning on yourself. It's black or white. We don't like that. We like variety. We like, let me see the, see the manager. I need something in the middle. I need to complain to HR. <laughs> I want a little bit of something in the middle. No, no. Paul's saying, hey, it's either black or white here. There's no gray area. You either trusting in Jesus or you're relying on yourself. As Keith would do. Keith does this. Amen? Spurgeon, one of my favorite theologians, said this. Instead of running, they began limping. Whew. Why? He gives this, this explanation. Because they are no longer partaking of the grace that was provided for them that saved them in the first place. Starting with the Spirit, staying with the Spirit. See it? Running with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit or running from your own power. Verse 8, Galatians 5, 8, moving down. Okay? He says, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Woo! 
Help me, Lord, with this one. This argument, no matter how persuasive and enticing it may be, it ain't from God. Flat out. Okay? It feels good, let's be honest, to take the credit for the good that we do. Don't it? Uh huh. It appeals to our flesh being totally dependent on someone else and their goodness is kind of offensive when you think about it. Huh? Sinful pride causes us to believe this lie that I'm a good person. Hmm. We must realize, saints, that everybody on this planet, everybody in this church uh that likes to hear the suggestion or the thought that we can somehow fix ourselves. This has been something that humans have been doing since the very beginning. We like that idea. Amen? Genesis 2.25. I know we turn to this scripture a lot because, but trust me, this is foundational. You must understand that so many things went wrong. It ain't funny. Amen? In the very beginning. Genesis 2.25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. This is before Adam and Eve obviously sinned against God when they disobeyed and ate the fruit uh-huh, that God had told them not to. You remember. Amen. They didn't need an internal indicator of right or wrong. They didn't know anything but the acceptance of God and the acceptance of each other. They didn't know anything else. They were innocent. They were in a very innocent place. Amen? God said, and that's good, and that's good, and this is good, and this is good. And that's all they know is that everything is good. Amen? Amen. All they had was innocence. And that was all that God really intended them to have. Amen? And then here comes along with Satan and says, you're missing something. Amen? They sin against God. They listen to Satan. Instead of God, Uh uh-huh. And then the next chapter, Genesis 3, 7. You kind of know the story, but I'm just moving quickly. Genesis 3 and 7. After they sinned against God and ate of the fruit, suddenly the eyes of them both were open, and they knew they were what? Naked. The complete opposite. Hmm. Now I want you to notice the response. The word of God says, and they sewed fig leaves together (laughs) and made themselves aprons, aprons, amen? So in order to deal with the shame, in order to deal with the sin, in order to deal with the guilt that they had never experienced before, by instinct, they immediately tried to cover themselves. Amen? They did that by instinct. It's something that comes natural to people who are human and are born in sin. We mess up, we want to fix it up. Amen? 
and we think that whatever way that we decide to fix it is going to be good enough. <laughs> Amen. God doesn't move away from them. God moves not away from the sin. God moves towards the sinful act and says, I want to deal with this. And to get Adam and Eve to see what they have done, God asks the head, Adam, a question. Who told you you were naked? God is saying, I noticed you've made a new swimsuit. (laughs) You got a fig leaf swimsuit on. And you think that you're covered. (laughs) Eve, your suit's not finished yet. You're missing some pieces. (laughs) So they've got on this fig swimsuit. And Jesus, God is saying, why didn't you come to me? Why did you try to fix this on your own? You tried to cover yourself, but it was never going to be good enough. That personally, saints, is the, right there, is the spirit of legalism right there. You see it? Right there. The only thing that's good enough for this covering is the covering, God saying, that I provide for you. Amen? Not the covering that you would try to provide for yourself. This speaks of the covering of Christ. Amen? That is given to us by grace. Amen? Given to us when we trust God for salvation. We place our faith in Jesus Christ. We get his covering. Amen? Not the covering that we provide for ourselves. And this covering that comes from Christ, we are to function out of that covering. Amen? After salvation, we function out of the grace We don't function out of our own protection. We don't function out of our own covering. We function out of the grace that has been provided. And here's the thing, saints, nothing has changed. Not since then, not now. Are you hearing me? Amen. Hang with me, I'm going somewhere. Legalism is like showing up to church in a pair of Speedos and thinking that you're covered. I'm going to take you to Ross. Get this thing fixed. That would be absolutely absurd. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Thinking that because you obeyed a bunch of rigid rules and regulations that you placed on yourself from either tradition or your own thinking, that somehow you've earned God's favor. Uh, Your works of law keeping will never cover you. Amen? No, 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 no. The kind of... This kind of thinking does not come from God. He's saying this kind of thinking never did come from me. E.H. Andrew says this. Here are the twin pillars of truth. Here are the twin pillars of doctrine. Namely, the person of Christ and the work of Christ, amen, and basically the grace of God in Christ. This is the test of every doctrine. Here it is. Number one, does it make Christ central and glorify him. Pillar number two, does it exalt the grace of God over and against the activity of men? 
If it's not those two pillars, if anybody's teaching you anything else, it ain't from God. I'm going to say that again because I want you to get it. Because the enemy is slick. So we need some kind of help to indicate, you know, what subtlety things he might try to use against us. Amen? Amen. Does it make Christ central and does it glorify God? Amen? And does it exalt the grace of God over against the activity of men? Those are your pillars. Amen? Verse 8. Uh, verse, verse, ah, uh, let me go back real quick. This persuasion, verse eight, yes. Yeah, this persuasion does not come from him that calleth you. This argument, no matter how persuasive it is, no matter how good it makes you feel about yourself, where you can think you're a decent person and all that good stuff, and you know, you don't really need Jesus. You don't need him at all to be right with God. That persuasion does not come from God. Amen? It comes from the devil. Amen? Is that clear? Then he says this, verse 9, a little leaven leaveneth leaveneth a whole lump, or the whole lump. I got to say it again. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. There we go. Got it. That's rough. (laughs) I got it. A little leaven. Leaven, as we know, people that know how to cook. Yeast causes things to rise and grow in size. Amen? This could be a good thing or a bad thing. The Bible sometimes uses leaven in a good way and sometimes it uses it in a bad way. Amen? Leaven as far as causing things to grow uh, in the kingdom and and how how the gospel can be spread and spreading out, that's a good thing. Leaven as far as sin, not good. Amen? So here it is saying that this is a bad thing. In this case, it's bad teaching that swells from you puffing yourself up with keeping the law. Amen? You make yourself rise. (laughs) Are you feeling me? Amen. Amen. And he says, leaven, leaveneth, verb there, the whole lump. It's not just the false teaching that comes from uh, these folks that think that they can introduce the law in order to keep to stay right with God. It's the practice or the modeling of this teaching. Okay? It's one thing if I say it. It's another thing when I do it in front of you. Amen? It only takes, he's saying, it only takes one person that is functioning out of legalism to infect a whole church to infect your whole family, to infect your whole small group. Amen? Only one person. This this person that comes with this idea that we've puffed up ourselves with good works that come from self-effort without the influence of the Holy Spirit. And somehow they think to themselves and start to get you to thinking that after we do these things, we are pleasing God. What it's basically saying is, I don't need Jesus. I got this. Wrong. Amen? We are to live this Christian life from the place of what Jesus said right before he died. You know what he said? We live it from it is finished. Amen? Every believer who is trusting in God, 
we are living our Christian faith from the starting point of Jesus said, it is finished. <laughs> I don't know if you got that. See, sometimes it's getting it's slow, but you're getting it. Amen. We live from this place of, hey, I did it. Amen. We run the race from the place of knowing that Jesus is already at the finish line. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is with us, and he is the guarantee that we will get to the same finish line. Somebody come on here. Now, anybody that comes in and subtly tries to slip us back into our natural tendency to be legalistic and self-righteous, that is demonic. Amen? I live from the place of I'm accepted by Jesus Christ. I live from the place. I run my race knowing <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Jesus loves me. It's all, I know I'm a mess up every now and then, <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit's with me. He's got this. He's, he's, he's my guarantee. I'm changing a little bit every day. Each step I take, every time I get a little bit further down this Christian road, <laughs> and I'm, I'm a little different than the last three steps I had. <laughs> I'm a little different than the last three steps I made. Huh? I'm a little bit better today. Uh, that's my guarantee that when I get to heaven, <laughs> Jesus is going to say, hey, hey, welcome. And guess what? I knew you was going to make it. Why? That's why I left my Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? We function out of that grace. <sighs> I hope you got that. If you don't hear anything else I said, please take that home with you. That will change your whole relationship with God. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. For we, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Huh? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through who? God. Don't miss that part. It's through him. Amen? To the pulling down of your strongholds, the things that you're struggling with, the things that you're battling with. Huh? That power is not coming from you. It's coming from him. Amen? All right, Galatians 5.10. Let's try to finish this up. The Word of God reads, I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. He's saying, I have no doubt for those that are really saved who have entered in through the narrow gate, even though you're being exposed to this teaching. That does not come from God. He's saying, I have no doubt that the shepherd already has an awareness of where his sheep are. The good shepherd will come get you, find you, and put you back in the fold. Amen? No matter where you decide to run off to in your theology, (laughs) Jesus has the ability, come on, come on back, come on. Listen, I know that you, no, don't start a small group on that. That's completely off. Come on. Let me, let me help you. Amen? No matter where you run to. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes people need time to come out of legalistic tendencies. Are you hearing me? Uh-huh. Now, now heresy, 
You know, so you, you don't yank folks out of it. Okay? They might have to come out on their own. You leave them to the Lord, but you do give them notice. Amen? It's our responsibility to point it out. But it's not our responsibility to, to, to yank folks into where they ought to be. Huh? Somebody was patient with you. You're patient with them. Amen? Amen? If they belong to Jesus, he's got them. All right? That's a key point. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. All right? So he says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. You will come back to the simple truth of the gospel. However, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. Now, I got to get a little help here from my, one of my old teachers. He's passed and gone away, but his name is R.C. Sproul. Look him up. Okay? Powerful man of God. Sproul said this. I'm just going to quote it. The third type of legalism adds our own rules to God's laws and treats them as divine. It is the most common and deadly form of legalism. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees at this very point saying, you teach human traditions as if they were the word of God. He says, we have no right to heap up restrictions on people where he has no stated restriction. He said, don't restrict people in areas where God ain't restricting people. Okay? Each church has the right to set its own policies in certain areas. For example, the Bible says nothing about soft drinks in the church. The Bible says nothing about coffee in the fellowship hall. But a church has every right to regulate such things. But when we use these human policies to bind the conscience in an ultimate way and make such policies determinative of one's salvation, we venture dangerously into territory that is God's alone. Woo! Are you hearing this? Many people think that the essence of Christianity is following the right rules. Even rules that are extra biblical. Okay. For example, he says, the Bible doesn't say that we can't play cards. Or have a glass of wine after dinner. Be careful. The Bible doesn't say that. We can't make these matters the external test of authentic Christianity. Are you hearing that? That would be a deadly violation of the gospel because it would substitute human tradition for the real fruits of the Spirit. Are you hearing that? Then he says this, talking about the one who is troubling you will bear you know, his own punishment. Watch this. Sproul says, we come perilous, perilously close to blasphemy by misrepresenting Christ in this way. Where God has given liberty, we should never enslave people with man-made rules. We must be careful of this form of legalism. Okay? Lastly, he says, the gospel calls men to repentance, holiness, and godliness. Because of this, the word 
finds the gospel, or the world rather, finds the gospel offensive. But woe to us if we add unnecessary things to that offense by distorting the true nature of Christianity, by becoming, or, or be, by, by, by combining it rather, with legalism. Because Christianity is concerned with morality, righteousness, and ethics, we can easily, here's the thing I want you to hear, we can easily make that subtle move from a passionate concern for godly morality into legalism if we're not careful. He's saying this, saints. Don't put words in God's mouth if he didn't say it. He said, that's blasphemy. So all this talk about, well, you didn't do this and you shouldn't do that. You should be careful. You better find a verse. And if you ain't got a verse, you better stay out of that business. And all this, well, I'm going to put this one with this one and this one with this one and this one with this one. Nah, careful with that too. Okay? Don't form, perform surgery on God's word. <laughs> Sticking an arm here and a leg there and an ankle here. <laughs> Be careful, saints. He's saying that's blasphemy. God don't want you to take anything away from his word, and he will not let you add something to his word. Be careful, saints. All right? The Holy Spirit knows how to deal with the people. Are you hearing me? All right. So here's my example. If I tell little Lydia, y'all see how short she is. I love her, but she's a little person. If I tell Lydia, Lydia, I want you to grab a skillet out of the cabinet, and I want you to set it on the stove. And what she will do, because she's small, she will go get a stool, and she'll climb up on the stool. We call her Home Depot because she makes things. <laughs> so she would get up on the stool, and she would grab the skillet, and she would put it out on the stove. Now, I tell her to grab it and put it on the stove, but I also say to Lydia, After you do that, sweetie, I want you to wait for daddy to make the dinner. Now, if Lydia decides not only to do what I told her, but to add to what I told her and decide to turn on the burner where the gas is filling up all inside the house and then reach into the refrigerator, take a frozen chicken and sit it in the skillet. And then go in the cabinet, use the same stool, and pull out the lorries and the garlic and the pepper and spray it on the, fr- the frozen chicken while the gas is getting all the way through the house. And then here comes baby Grace. What you doing? And baby Grace comes up and says, I want to help. Well, listen, I, Daddy told me to make the chicken. So what I want you to do is I want you to get up here with me. I want you to turn on some more burners. And before you know it, we got a situation that's deadly. Amen? And then Lydia comes up to me and says, Daddy, guess what? What? You'd be so proud of me. Why? I did what you said. I made dinner. Girl, I ain't told you to make no dinner. Are you hearing me? Here's the thing. Number one, you almost killed yourself and blew up everybody else in the house because you didn't do what daddy told you. 
Because daddy already knows you have no idea what you're doing. All right? You're tinkering around with things that are out of your pay grade. You're messing around with things that you don't know how to handle. Some things you should just leave up to the father because he knows best. Woo! Hey! To make this thing come out just the way he wants you to. He knows how to mature souls. He knows how to make souls. He knows, come on somebody. Some things we just leave up to the father because he knows what he's doing. He didn't entrust you to do that. He just said, put the skillet on the stove and wait for daddy. Are you hearing me? So that's number one. Number two, you put words in my mouth that I did not say, and then you taught it to somebody else. It's like, that, as if those are my words. Woo! And by doing that, you're teaching them, number three, that daddy will be pleased with you by you doing more than what I actually said. Legalism. I, this ought to make you happy, Daddy. Not quite. You're going to kill everybody with your gassy salmonella chicken. <laughs> it's dangerous. So the Word of God says, God will bring judgment on that person, whosoever they be. Because you're tinkering around with something that you're not qualified to deal with. Amen? With nobody else. This walk by faith will require the power of the Holy Spirit. It will require the grace of God and not the power of you or the grace of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's better to just stick with what the Father said and not add to it or take away from it. All right. Verse 11. Almost done. And I, brethren, if I preach circumcision... Why do I yet suffer persecution? Paul is saying, basically, he hasn't changed his message of grace and faith. He has not added works for salvation. He has not changed his message, and that is why he's still being persecuted. The fact that he is still being persecuted is proof that he has not left the message that he taught the Galatians. Okay? He's saying they have no right to change the message that came from Christ. Amen? They have no right to believe the message that came from Christ. Christ bought you with a price. You do what he says. Not what someone else thinks is better. Okay? All right? And then he says, then the offense of the cross ceased. Or then is the offense of the cross ceased. Basically, that's a fancy way of saying, you know, preaching salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ alone through his, through his sacrifice for us alone, uh-huh. once you start preaching that, amen, there's going to be offense. But if you change it up, then the offense will stop. Are you hearing me? If you start preaching self-help and law-keeping and legalism and moralism, then guess what? People will, by default, stop bothering you because they really like to hear that. Are you getting what he's saying? They will no longer be offended with Jesus because you stop preaching to them about Jesus that they, will, uh, that they are good enough. You, you, didn't, you didn't tell the truth. You stopped telling, you know, telling them the, the truth about how much they need Jesus. You, didn't, you, know, you stopped saying your righteousness is, fi- is filthy rags. 
Amen? That's what he's saying. Listen, you keep telling people uh, about Jesus Christ and how much they need him, you know, they get upset with you. They really want to hear you say, go get a self-help book. You know, four steps to the better you. You know? Yeah. Five steps to being like Christ. Five steps to not needing Jesus for 1995. That's what they're saying. You preach that, people will eat that up. That's why it sells, because it's not offensive. Are you hearing me? And, but the moment you say to them, <laughs> the only way to get right with God is to place your faith in Jesus Christ and rely on him and rest on him and rest on his work for the rest of your entire life because you ain't no good. Your mama ain't no good. Your grandmama, she is nice as she was, she ain't no good. All of them going straight to hell without Jesus the moment you say that. They're going to be like, you know what? Where's the brick? Folks, why are you preaching? Folks will start looking around for something to hit you with. Ain't this the church? Where's the kitchen? Don't kitchen have uh, kitchen knives? I need to stab you real quick. The moment you say that, folks get offended. Well, mama was nice. If she didn't know Jesus, she wasn't good enough. I liked your mama too. But if she didn't trust in Jesus Christ, it's a wrap. I'm sorry. People come to me, I want you to say some nice things about granny at the funeral. Okay, I will. But I stop short of talking about her salvation. That was between her and God. She might have been saved. She might not. But I'm not going to just say that she was a good person. Did she profess to know Jesus Christ? Did she lean on Jesus Christ? If not, I, yeah. Okay? That's hard. That's, you see how that feels? That's offensive. That's offensive to say, you know, in salvation, when it comes to being safe from the wrath of God, you're not good enough. You're going to have to trust in Jesus from the time you start the race and the grace that he provides for you to live the grace-filled life to the end of the race. It ain't about you. It's about him. That's the moment folks go. Verse 12. 5.12, Galatians 5.12. I would, if they were <laughs> even cut off, which trouble you. This, there are some moments and times, I, I like the King James. There are some moments and times when I really appreciate the King James Bible because it says it in a poetic, non-Oakland way. But if you read this... <laughs> If you look up the words and terms in the Greek, you'd be like, oh, is that what he's saying? So let me just help you out a little bit. Verse 12, Galatians 5, 12 from the ESV. You see it? All right. The ESV reads, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Galatians 5, 12 out of New Living Translation says, 
I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. I couldn't believe that was actually in the Bible when I first read it. I was like, wow. The Bible is straight up. It says some hard things. Those who are thinking that you can be made right by law keeping, who are pushing circumcision on you, I wish that they would just emasculate themselves. Paul's saying, if the false teacher's message about being made right with God through law keeping or being legalistic or the circumcision that they were suggesting was actually true, He's saying, since you are so concerned about impressing God, then why stop at just circumcision? (laughs) Go ahead and just go cut cut it off. Go all the way. Why not cut it off and give it to the Lord? If you really want to be holy, go one step further. If it's about good works that impress God, then go all the way. Since you're placing this circumcision burden on others thinking that this will help them earn salvation or add to their salvation anyway, why don't you just go all the way, cut it off, and give your all to God? Verse 13 says, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty as an occasion for the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now, I stopped there, and I'm stopping here because I want to say something to you. I'm going to go into this more next week because that verse needs a lot of time, okay? But I'm going to show you something. I'm going to use myself as an example, and if this is you, then if the shoe fits, then, you know, hopefully the Lord can deal with you like he's dealing with me in his own way because he knows you better than he knows me. This verse right here, you have been called unto liberty, semicolon, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. This verse finally in the fifth chapter (laughs) brings in the balance when it comes to freedom in Christ and Christian responsibility. Are you hearing that? Because the Christian is responsible to live holy. And since I've been teaching Galatians, I've been riding hard because that's the verses I've been on, on the freedom in Christ. I've been riding hard on that side of it for a while because we hadn't gotten to this verse yet, even though I knew it was coming. Amen? I knew that the balance was coming, yet the fear and protective side of me, at every point of me teaching this, wanted to rush into clarifying what's being said to the Galatians up to this point so people don't get the idea that this freedom means you can live any kind of way. But I want you to notice something. 
The problem is not that Paul didn't put this earlier in the chapter or earlier in the letter. The problem is with me. Mm -hmm. Because that's the very same protective, overreaching spirit that came from the Pharisees. Are you hearing me? The Pharisees of the religious, uh, in, in, in that religious day, they were scared. They were protective of their nation. Amen? But here's the point. If you don't take the time to go deep into the love of God, amen, into the foundation of grace and what has been provided for you, then Satan has the ability to trick you by using your own shame-based nature to do the exact same thing that they did. Are you following me? Amen. And what is that? Well, to make sure that we do this just right, let me help God out. Uh-huh. So that we keep everybody in check, let me give the particulars of what I think the law means. Let me add a few things to give you some clarification. You see that? Uh-huh. Instead of just relying on God and the understanding that he has accepted you to produce the law obeying spirit in you through the spirit of love. I hope I said that right. When you recognize that your ability to press into holiness comes from God and not you, then you're actually functioning out of grace. Amen? That doesn't give you an excuse to kick back and live any kind of way. Amen? But it ensures that your inner drive to live holy comes from the Holy Spirit who alone has the power to keep you in balance. Because as what we're seeing in the scriptures is the disciples, as close as they were to Jesus, they kept blowing it. Not until the Holy Spirit came did they start to see the balance and say, oh, now I am not only knowing the law, I'm empowered by the grace of God to do what pleases God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're quiet, and I hope that means you're listening. Because all of us, whether we recognize it or not, we have the ability to become little 2021 Pharisees. As soon as you step out of the grace, you're in your own power. Are you hearing me? So it's not, again, that I don't press into holiness. It just means that the press that comes from the Holy Spirit, that's what keeps me humble. That's what keeps me dependent. That's what keeps me, gives me the ability to be sweet to people. That's what gives me the, the ability not to load these weighty legalistic laws and rules on other people because I don't understand where they are with God. Are you hearing me? Amen? These weights, amen, the power and the truth that Christ has already finished this thing 
gives me the ability to empathize with folks who are struggling to stay on track just like me. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because I know that the only reason why I'm still in this race is because of the grace of God. Every single day I wake up with some kind of thought that's not like him. Every single day I wake up with some kind of desire that's not like him. And what I do is I say, you know what? The power is available. I'm not going to go all over the place and operate on myself and circumcise myself on the side of the road. I'm going to wait for Jesus to do this heart surgery within me because he knows better what he's doing than I do. Are you hearing me? That's not a license to sin. You know what that is? That's powerful on high to trust in God. The Holy Spirit never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He's with me always. I shall be with you even to the end of the earth. Huh? This thing started with me. I'm going to be the one that keeps you. Don't listen to everybody else. Get in your word for yourself. Study the love of God. Allow that love and acceptance to grow in you to the point to where, you know what? I can't do that because I love him too much. That's the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's when you're walking in the grace of God. That's when your stride starts to get smooth. And you don't become one of those people who are standing in front of the other runners, pushing them, trying to keep them back. Get off the side of the road. You don't messed up. You're missing some things. The propensity to legalism and moralism, what I'm trying to say to you, saints, is something that we can do unwittingly. Are you hearing me? If you're not cautious to lean on Jesus, you will find yourself leaning on yourself by default. Satan is subtle. Your legalistic tendencies are subtle, and they are not easy, easily detected. Okay? You're going to need a better surgeon than yourself. Amen? To deal with your heart. So what does it mean to be free? What does freedom in Christ look like? Well, we're going to talk about it next week. The balance is coming in now. Amen? But not before we've loaded up on the love. Not before we've looked at that this thing starts with Jesus. This thing ends with Jesus. This thing is all Jesus all the way through. This thing is giving glory to God. This thing is giving glory to Christ the Son who died on the cross for my sins, brought me out of sin and wickedness, gave me his standing with God, gave me his righteousness, gave me an inheritance that is much bigger than all this stuff, deals with my sin and shame. Amen? So I don't know how to, when I feel guilty, I don't even know how to deal with that right. I was never supposed to even feel that stuff. You feel me? So now Jesus gives all that stuff to me. Huh? He gives me his righteousness. Huh? Then he gives me his joy. He gives me his peace. Huh? He gives me his strength. He gives me his power to stand. Huh? He gives me the ability to stay away from certain things that I, can use, that, I, that I know I can get into. And when I have that understanding of the love of God and everything that is given to me, then I function out of that versus me trying to do it for myself. Is this clear? Without the help of the Holy Spirit, there is a high chance that you and I will get it wrong. And if you don't realize this now, 
then there's a good chance that you are already out of balance. Already. Because it's not easily detected. You could disguise it like you are doing something for Jesus. <laughs> Adding to what he said when he never said it. And then telling everybody else that that's what you got to do. Filling the house up with gas. <laughs> About to kill everybody. That's what that Pharisees did. They just went around killing up everything. So much so Jesus showed up. What'd they do? Killed him. Do you see the spirit? Looks good from an external point. But internally, it's not of God. Because it's not hanging on those pillars. 